Hi, this is Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. This podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show. Hey, you're on the Insecurity Project. I have the great pleasure of talking to Jemima Ashley this morning. Now, Jemima is a business consultant, mentor, creative director, and social media marketer. Uh, Jemima is one of Australia's leading entrepreneurs and has built, already built three successful businesses from scratch. She's a highly sought-after business consultant, mentor, mentor, speaker, and soon-to-be author, which we'll chat about. Uh, additionally, Jemima is the creative director of Tang's Designs and is the founder of the Business Experiment podcast. So she knows all about doing these interviews. Uh, Jemima has also been named one of Australia's top 10 female entrepreneurs by Entrepreneur Magazine. So it's a great pleasure to have you on the show today and really looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Jemima. Hi, Jamin. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's fantastic. Um, as is my style, I jump straight into the real questions. There's no point mucking around. So obviously the intention, <laughs> <All right. laughs> the intention of this conversation is to go, all right, insecurity is a thing. It holds a lot of people back. Uh, probably doesn't need to. So I'm just always interested in people who have gone on to do some cool things in the world as a result of giving themselves permission to and overcoming their own internal limitations. So love to chat about your journey and how you've got to where you are today and the things you've learned along the way and some, some insights and distinctions you might be able to share with our listeners. So uh, as is uh, the pattern of starting the, the interview, I'm really fascinated by your start and particularly your childhood and just seeing what it was like to be a kid growing up in your home and with your parents. Did they do well in terms of equipping you with self-esteem and confidence or was it uh, you know, something that wasn't really talked about? Can you, can you give us a bit of an insight into your upbringing? Yeah, so um, I grew up in kind of a bit of an unusual household. Um, my, I was just in a single-parent family for, for a really long time when I was first born. Um, so okay. my first kind of like memories were of... Um, you know, almost being in a survival mode because my dad had passed away in a car accident just before I was born. So, um, and my mum was later remarried wow. when I was five. So okay. I remember like the first kind of my first like first few memories are of just my mum and I, and then having another man introduced into my life. Now, to make the story more confusing, I will refer to my stepdad as dad because he's the only man that I ever knew, and he raised me. Sure, so he is yep. more, like through through my dad. Um, yeah, so my childhood was a little bit unusual, so it was independently just my mum and I for a long time, and we would later, um, they, my, my mum and my, my stepdad weren't able to have children, so okay. we ended up adopting another child into our family, um, so my sister's adopted, so it was kind of this like mixed bag of fruit kind of happening in our family already. Um, my parents had full-time careers, both um, were fairly demanding, and we had a farm as well. So, yeah. you know, self-esteem wasn't really something that was kind of raised in us in our household. Um, you know, failures and setbacks weren't something that were really, um, I guess, kind of distinct in our household. Like, it wasn't something that was raised. If you didn't, if you came home with an award, you were treated exactly the same as if you had failed at something. So, it wasn't, there was no <laughs> okay. real difference 
in our house, oh, wow. right? So it was, but um, and I think this is you know a key thing that we're we're finding out now as people are getting older and science is progressing and as as humans we're establishing earlier that you know child stress and human um and and child self confidence and self self esteem that children have are you know of such huge value and we don't realize it because you know the stress of the mum and the dad and the family unit is often so much greater because it's stuff like the mortgage yeah. needs to be paid and we need sure. to make sure there's food on the table. And so, you know, it was largely ignored in our house. Um, it wasn't something mm. that was really discussed. Um, you know, having self-esteem wasn't a huge kind of factor. Um, and, you know, my parents would have described me as a sensitive kid, um, which, right would have, which later kind of would manifest itself in anxiety of all things. So, um, yeah, right. Yeah, like, so there were these kind of telltale signs, but was largely missed just due to family units. And I think that's also a lack of education um, around children. And, you know, I was the firstborn, so I was really the test bunny, I guess. But, um, yeah, largely ignored in our household for a long time. Well, what kind of impact do you think that had on you growing up, the fact that that Uh, was ignored? I think it was probably a detriment. I... My parents were um, what I would like to refer to as, and hopefully they never listen to this because my mum will yell at me, <laughs> but largely, uh, largely like they overparent or underparented. There was no, oh in, there was no parenting in my household. Like, because my sister and I are really good kids, right? We didn't really get into too much mischief. But my parents were like so hands off that it was like, yeah, you're still alive, you're fed, you're great, have a good time. So, and yeah, then right. they would realize, they would remember we existed, and then it would be like, oh my gosh, I forgot to. I forgot to cut, like, and then they were just, like, you know, overparent for the next two weeks. So it was a really interesting kind of, yeah, so we were, you know, this was probably a detriment. I mean, these things weren't discussed, relationships weren't discussed, and, you know, you failed at something. It wasn't, you know, it was it was kind of like, oh, whatever, you'll get over it. It wasn't, okay, let's talk through that. Yeah, let's have sure. a discussion about the difficulties that you're facing. And I think, you know, as I think we can forget that children have as you know, they suffer from stress, they suffer from um, low self-esteem, they suffer from not having confidence, and that ha- those skills can actually be enhanced by the adults in our lives. Oh, you're 100%. They're definitely the key people. Um, mm-hmm. Fascinated a bit more about, you know, you said it was a, to your detriment, because, you know, as kids, well, I mean, all the time, our subconscious is asking and answering two questions about everything we experience. Um, why did this happen, and what does it mean about me? And whether we're mm. aware of those questions being asked and answered or not doesn't change the fact that, you know, we're sense-making creatures and that's just, we've got to make sense of our world. We have to understand our world. And so when you grew up having that experience and trying to make sense of your life, why your parents are behaving the way they are, um, you know, do you think that you made it mean bad stuff about you or that you kind of diminished yourself as a child growing up that affected you later on? Um, it, it's, it's probably one of those interesting things that only comes with a lot of insight and sort of figuring out who you are. And this is a big part of the entrepreneurial journey for me was about figuring out who I was. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing as you get, if you're in a household where you're largely ignored a lot of the time because, yeah. you know, negative stuff that happens and positive stuff that happens was treated the same. And it's like, well, yeah. I can't do anything right. I can't do anything wrong. So I guess like a big part of me then, like yearn for like for approval and yearn yeah. for any attention at all, right? So um, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a real overachiever. That's actually probably to my detriment. <laughs> I'm very much yeah. an overachiever. 
but it also meant when things weren't terrific in my life, I largely went, okay, yeah, that's fine, and wasn't really willing uh, to yeah, change. Yeah, sure. Because you don't know, you're like, oh well, that you know, that's a bit crap, that's a bit awesome, it's fine. Like you don't know that there is yeah, an sure. option here of making choices. So you know, there was a lot of time I think on cruise control because I didn't realise that you could change your circumstances. And I think you know, my parents did a very good job and raised me well in the in what they did do. Um, but you know, this was a part that was sort of lacking that 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 emotional and, you know, sort of mental support of a teenage child because, you know, they had other issues going on. Um, yeah, sure. And I think that got a little bit more complicated. And as you're, as you're a teenager and starting adulthood, you know, the, the great things that were happening in the overachieving and then underachieving and, you know, particularly my, my detriment sort of started to really kind of show when I started dating because I date these dudes who were just not right in any way, shape, or form, yeah, right. because any, any attention was better than none. Yeah. Okay, sure. Wow. So, I mean, you've obviously gone on and done some pretty amazing things, and, mm. uh, you know, when I, when I look at you, I'm always inspired by your capacity just to get it done and to back yourself and to really go play, and it's just it's really cool to watch. So where did that start? Like, when did you... Um, first kind of go, Rono, I'm actually going to take control here. And you mentioned realising that you can make some choice and you can kind of change your circumstances. When did things start to change for you and you start to take control of your life? Yeah, um, it's so interesting because uh, I guess as you get older, you get 20-20 hindsight, right? It's, uh, it's so interesting. Yeah. But I actually even know the moment that I was like, I can decide here what I want to do. Um, yeah. And look, I was on I was on cruise control for a long time. I, I went. My my dad was in law enforcement, so and it was something that I loved doing. So I went into law enforcement as well. Um, initially, okay. that's where my career started, of all places. Uh, but I spent yeah. ten years in law enforcement before starting entrepreneurship. So I had gone and was working um, uh, for um, in Victoria Police. Then got a job at a federal level in a federal agency and was was moving and you know I was excited that this was all happening but I was really following a flow like I didn't really and they were relocating me to Perth so and I was with a boy that I knew it wasn't going to work out with but he was in Perth so I was kind of comfortable and going with you know I was really caught in this flow moment and it was just like this is just easier than trying to make a lot of decisions I'm just going to go with this yeah move to Perth and like yeah. re- leave my job leave my family like I'm there like really cruise control sort of stuff and I had this moment where I knew the relationship wasn't going to work out. I didn't love living in Perth. I knew I was going to leave. I had sort of like a half plan that I wanted to move to Canberra at some point because that's okay. where, you know, the government agency I was working for was based. That's where I could grow my career. And I sort of went on cruise control. Like, I'll just stay here till I'm ready. And, you know, as you know, Damon, like, you're never ready. You, you're never <laughs> going to feel like doing the things you need to do, right? I actually yeah, so. ended up being, being overseas and... um. I was by myself for about five or six weeks where I was working abroad and I'd see my sister. She was living in um, the US at the time. I was based um, in New York City and I had a friend who had agreed to meet me there. And I had this moment where I felt like my life was was in hypercolor. That's the best way I can explain it. Like I felt genuinely happy. I felt genuinely like I knew who I was and I was like, I remember just looking at my, my gorgeous friend, Michael, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to live in Perth anymore. I don't want to be there. I don't even like it. It's so hot all the time. 
I don't really like my job that much. I think I want to move. And I remember being like, I don't like the guy I'm living with. He's terrible. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. And I got home. (laughs) And I was like, I walked into my house and I didn't recognize myself in any of it. And I went, this is so weird when you like, I walked into this house and I loved my home. That was one of the key things I really liked about Perth. But, you know, I looked around this place and I was like, this is just stuff. I don't want to be here anymore. Within two weeks, I was in the car by myself, driving the Nullarbor, single for the first time in years, <laughs> moving to Canberra, going, well, all right, I've, I've committed to this point. I've got to keep going now. Um, and I moved to moved to Canberra. So that was kind of like the first time. I was only 20, 24, 25, but it was when I was like, okay, right, it's time to take control here, cruise control off. And it was a very interesting moment. Um, you know, and, yeah. I, and I'd, I'd taken myself off cruise control before where I'd done things like travelled overseas and lived abroad and, you know, I did the London thing because I think every every um, person, you know, every Australian moves to Europe for at least 12 months, right? And yeah. we we had this kind of real adventure by myself and came back and I was like, okay, back in Australia, cruise control on. And then suddenly I realised, yeah, this isn't what I want to do anymore. And, um, yeah, it was like, yeah, I, I really found who I was and I, I like, I connected with myself. Like, what do I want right now? So how, what was the internal stuff that was going on that enabled you to actually make that stick? It it was, it was like, honestly, just like a conscious awakening of like, oh, right, I can choose anything I want here. And it was just like, I, I can't even explain sort of the internal driver for it, but I think yeah, wow. no transformation ever really starts with, you know, someone just not getting over their bullshit. And I think I just yeah. got tired of my own stuff. I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, yeah, you sure. know, not loving uh, my life. And I think when you feel this happiness moment, which I felt, in, I felt when I was in New York of, you know, I felt very calm and I felt like this was home and I felt happy to be with my, my friends that I hadn't seen for a while. And I'd seen my sister and I connected with her again one-on-one for a couple of weeks. And then I was, you know, traveling by myself and I felt felt like myself again. I hadn't probably mm. seen that girl for a few years and it was a really kind of shifting moment of, well, this is this is now the benchmark. This is, you know, and I'm, I'm yeah, you know, yeah. that's 100, I'm sitting at five. Like, I'm going to get my shit together. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, so it seems like you had a moment where you actually listened to your pain as well, whereas... Yeah, you know, on auto, on cruise control, you, you're kind of just dulling everything, and you're not really noticing. It's almost like how you grew up. There's no outstanding, and there's yeah. no terrible. It's all just kind of vanilla. Um, yeah. But when you when when you allowed yourself to see something wonderful, when you connect with your friend, it then also allowed you to see something terrible and go, "Oh my goodness, um, I'm not at vanilla yeah, at all. You, yeah. I'm, I'm at five. Uh, this, there's pain. Yeah. There's, there's anguish. I don't like this. So wow." Yeah, and I think when you grow up and no one ever says to you, you can make choices here, you can yeah. live at 100 if you want to. Um, you know, I watched my parents have mediocre careers that they kind of liked but didn't love. And, you know, when you when you were surrounded by vanilla, I guess is the best way to put it, when you're surrounded by vanilla, you just kind of fit into the mold. And suddenly I was like, no, you know what? I want to be supersonic chocolate blast with peppermint choc chips. Like, I want to be different <laughs> from this. I don't want to be put in this mold. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm well, not happy during living this life right now. And I think that's where everything changed. Like that moment of just being like, this is now the 100 benchmark to the yeah. five that I'm on now. 
and you know I'm now at 100 like I'm good I love every part of my life other than I don't sleep enough other than that I'm good (laughs) well so you've just kind of in this moment of awakening you've you've given yourself permission to set it the way you'd like it and you've recreated yourself yeah absolutely no other way to explain it absolutely um so you got to Canberra then what happened What, what did you do well, I moved to Canberra, and here's a fun thing. If you only give yourself two weeks to move, you don't have a lot set up when you get here. Um, so I relocated. Like, I left all of my stuff. Like, I remember having this moment of it's just stuff, left everything. Yeah. So we had to move into, like, a fully finished house with, like, a random person. Within, I I, I happened to drive the Nullarbor, and I had probably, you know, I think we only get, like, maybe 10 to 20 really pivotal moments in our lives that change everything. I had one of those moments in the car. I um I really had had enough. Here's the thing. Also, if you listen to too much music, you get very over it very quickly. And that drive mm. is very, very long. And there's not a lot <laughs> happening on that road. So I, I was, yeah, yeah. So I'm in the car and I, my girlfriend who had lived next door, who I was quite close with, had filled my iPod full of audiobooks and music. And she, um, if, Basically, I had read. I, she had put "Bossy Pants" by Tina Fey, and I'd seen Thirty Rock. I liked the show. I'd had a few giggles of it, but I didn't really know who Tina Fey was at that point. Um, and she's yeah. now one of my idols. I'm obsessed with Tina. I think she's amazing. I think she's an amazing human. Um, so intelligent and so funny, and you know, breaking this female mold. Absolutely, like you know, that women aren't funny, which is a huge um, sort of thing in the in the comedy and in pro scene. But she starts talking about doing impro classes. Um, She was talking about uh, teaching impro and learning impro. And she said something like, you know, shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway. Just tell us what's impro. What's impro just for those who don't know that? uh, Improvisational theatre. So um, it's it's, it's theatre and skit comedy without a script. So you go onto stage and you make something out of nothing. And it's often, you know, advice from the audience and it's what, you know, what would you like this scene to be about? Oh, I'd like to see somewhere at a zoo. Okay, great, guys, you're at a zoo. And you start a scene about being at a zoo. And you're okay. meant to make it funny so, and it becomes this real unscripted theatre. Well, so most people have heard that uh, for the first time. I've just broken into a cold sweat at the, the thought of even doing something like that. So, cool. Tell us more about yeah. Tina Fey in pro and then what happened next to you. <laughs> so she's, yeah, she talks about doing improv. And she said, if you've seen shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is something I watched as a child and love, and like most people have seen it and, you know, think it's one of the funniest things in the world. Um, And Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, Thank God You're Here, which is an Australian uh, TV show, um, which I think now is in Canada and the States as well with a different format. But these shows um, I I had loved. Now, I didn't even know you could do impro classes. But something in me went, this is what you're going to do when you get to Canberra. Huh. Go and do this. It was like all the pieces are falling into place, right? I'd found alignment for where I wanted to be. It wasn't hard anymore. And I was like, here's the thing, though. Nullarbor, no reception. Like, I can't call anyone <laughs> to find out if this is a thing in Canberra. And at this point, I'm yep. like, if this is not a thing in Canberra, I'm moving. I want to do yep. classes like this. I want to learn to be this person, this this most people again cold sweat right just very scared of this idea of being stuck on stage with nothing ahead of you i went i'm gonna do this i got to outside of i finally got reception about 24 hours later and i googled um improvisation canberra 
and yeah. a school popped up that was based in Canberra. And I rang the number and someone who answered the phone said, hi, how are you going? I said, hi, I'm desperate to start classes. And she said, we're starting classes. This is the Thursday and they were starting classes on the Tuesday. And I said, I'll yeah. be there. And so within probably like 72 hours of moving to Canberra, like I drove from Adelaide to Canberra in that night, stage, like got to a hotel, sort of booked in, and I, I started classes on the Tuesday, like three days later after moving to Canberra. And um, the thing is about Impro is it's a bit of a cult, as in you yeah, right. live, drink, eat, breathe Impro. Um, the first rule of Impro is yes and. and yes um, and, yep. Yes, and. So if you're on stage and someone says to you something like, uh, oh, my, uh, or you block someone's idea, so it's like, uh, oh, it's really hot in here, and I just go, yeah, it is. It's not really helping, right? If if I say, you know, it's really hot in here, and you're like, yeah, what do you think? We're in hell. Now we've got a theme. Now we've got something. Yeah. Yes, and now I'm going to add to what you have just said. Um, and yeah. this is... It's all, I've always found it really jarring when people always came from a place of no, like, no, that's too hard. No, we can't do that. No, we can't, you know, yes, and mm. is this idea of whatever you say, I'm going to make this work because I don't want to screw you over and it was screw me over. And this became fundamentally like the most important thing in my life um, because it's where I would meet the, like some of my best friends. It's where I would really yeah. regain a lot of my, my comfort. Um, and be out of getting out of my comfort zone because when you're on stage and you've got nothing and you're told you do a 10-minute monologue to the audience, most people are like, I'm out, I quit, I won't do this. I can <laughs> yeah, for do sure. that now. Yeah, they're like, I don't, don't even let me near this. And, um, you know, the first person I walked in and shook the hand of has now one of my dearest friends. It's where I'd, you know, I, I, I met creative people who would show me entrepreneurship was a thing. It's where I would meet my husband these people yeah, wow. changed everything for me. So, you know, that one moment of like, I'm out two weeks later in the car, three days later in Impro, I think there's something to be said for good things take time, but great things happen all at once. Well, amazing. And and as you're talking, I'm reminded by the, the old proverb, or I don't even know where it comes from, but the idea that when the student's ready, the teacher appears and just a sense yeah. that the teacher's always there, but the student's not always ready. So it's kind of like yeah. in this pivotal moment of your life of going, do you know what, I I'm, I can make choices. I'm in pain and I'm going to acknowledge that pain. I'm going to change that. You position yourself ready for the stuff that's always been there. You haven't been able to see yeah. and, and you're there. You're, you're in that space, which is just so incredible um, mm. and very inspiring. So that, that yes, and obviously that's been a theme that's led you into entrepreneurship and has worked very well. Obviously, anyone who's an entrepreneur has to be flexible, has to be a, an ideas person, has to be able to overcome setbacks and difficulties and obstacles. So I'm sure that yes, hmm. and has been very useful. Is there anything particular that stands out and how that's um, you know opened doors for you? Um, I, I think there's been uh, so many, so many. But one of the things that, you know, it is so, again, it's just so jarring to me when people come from a place of no, like we can't make this work, that, that mm. can't work, we can't, we, we, we can't do this. Um, and, you know, it, it is about accepting that, you know, that MC gig or that speaking gig that seems terrifying. I mean, I've, I've just agreed to do a keynote in Los Angeles next, in, in August. Um, oh, wow. And I was like, 
um, are you sure that you want me? Like, seriously? <laughs> but it was this moment, and I'm just like, yes, and. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Great. When is it? And they said August. And I was like, Shrey, sure, I'll figure it out. And it just be, it's yeah. not so much like, yes, I'll add more information. It's like, yeah, I'll figure this out. It's fine. When clients say to me, like, I want to I wanna do this or I, I want to, um, I need you to help me start a podcast. Starting the business experiment. How do we do it? I don't know. Google it. We Googled yeah. it. We, we started it and, you know, the height we had to reach of you know, over 4 million people. This is, oh my goodness. this is what it's like when you just agree to something and you're like, I'm going to figure it out as it goes along. What, what do you think happens beneath the surface? So you start operating yes and. What does it start to teach you about your own capacity as a human being? I think people, you know, there's this old Tony Robbins thing about um, people grossly overestimate what they can do in one year and grossly underestimate because they do it in five. So I think it sort of reminds me of this because we are far more capable than we ever think we are and yeah. we always sell ourselves too short and too high in equal portions. Like We're like, I'm going to learn to do a thousand sit-ups in one week. That's not yeah. feasible. You can do that in a month. You might, you'll yeah. definitely be able to do that in a year, but you can't do it in a week. And I think people set themselves like these enormous sort of tasks and they don't realize when they're human and that they can make mistakes here. We have to be, you know, reasonable with ourselves, but we grossly underestimate what we're able of actually achieving if we put our mind to something and a bit of time and a bit of dedication and a bit of perseverance. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I, I love that quote. I actually put that out after watching uh, I'm Not Your Guru on Netflix. That was a quote that absolutely stuck out to me. And I think he says um, we underestimate what we can achieve in a decade. I think that was the, the, the 10 year period, but yeah. I think it's so, so true. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. We can change everything in a matter of years. I'm, I'm literally living proof of that. Absolutely. And I'm sure when you walk through a door and you say yes and and, and it works out for you, I'm sure it builds strength inside you. It becomes a success reference point where you go, oh, my goodness, I just did something that previously I would have thought was impossible. I wonder what else is possible. I wonder yeah. how I can go on from here. So your world keeps enlarging rather than most people's world keeps shrinking. Even if they think it's staying the same, Everything else is changing around them, so they're actually shrinking. Mm, exactly. Um, so there are practices and rituals and things that you give yourself to regularly that help you maintain this openness and this sense of confidence and this can-do kind of attitude? Uh, so, uh, so daily I have a job where I'm constantly thrown under the bus and dragged along and love it and heights and lows, entrepreneurship, and it's in its all into entirety um yep. but anyone that's an entrepreneur is just going yeah i understand like this is a daily practice for me of getting used to you know figuring things out um i'm a huge yeah. advocate um, uh, for a uh, morning routine and a, uh and, and being very strict with that i follow okay. there's a morning routine that there was a study done a few years ago about a hundred top entrepreneurs and it looks like Mark Zuckerberg and Richard Branson and Oprah, Gary Vaynerchuk, they interviewed all these amazing people and they they found largely that there's only 15 things that any of these people do every morning okay. and most people have a variation of six of them um, yep. and I went, well, I mean, if it's good enough for Oprah, count me in. So uh, a huge part of that for me is around waking earlier um, yeah. and then exercising and getting that out of the way because if we say we're going to do it in the afternoon, it never happens, let's be honest. Um, it's, <sighs> it's that 
that self-care element of they coming back, having a really, really hot and then very cold shower, a la Tony Robbins, but um, yeah. they're doing to meditation. So I do um, TM meditation, which is uh, really just trying to get the mind very, very calm for 20 minutes every morning. And that yeah. has become fundamentally so great at just getting, you know, the chatter brain to be quiet because if we yeah. can't calm that down and that's the little brain that says things like you're not good enough, what are you doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And it really just gives me a little bit more control over my brain, my stress levels. And when I have calmed my brain down um, from someone who does have anxiety, this is, I have far more of a chance of getting ahead of the day. Um, I think the other thing is like just the self-care. I know when I work well, I know when I work badly, I know if I'm not feeling well or I'm not, you know, if I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed, there's nothing worse than just trying to sit at the computer and trying to to work when it's not working. So it's about acknowledging what you need as a human. And if that is that you need to go and have a nap, go and do it. If that is, you know, I'm really thirsty, I need to drink two liters of water right now, go and do that too. That's okay. All of this stuff is fine. You know, you should... Don't don't be concerned about um, don't be concerned about what other people are thinking about you either. Um, it's none of your business, firstly. Mm. And I think you need to really um, one of the things that as I grew as an entrepreneur, one of the things I had to continually do, and it really is a practice, is about not taking things personally of what people think about you. Um, yep. Because if you're building a profile and, you know, if you're trying to do similar stuff to what I'm doing and wanting to grow as an entrepreneur and grow as a person, this can actually highlight this personal development stuff, can really highlight the people in your life that maybe aren't cheerleading for you. And it actually can be a little intimidating, a little bit daunting and a little bit terrible in some ways because you can actually identify um, people who maybe don't want the best for you anymore. And, you know, this, this practice of, and this ritual of personal development constantly has really helped build me up, but it's also identified people who weren't trying to build me up or maybe even trying to tear me down. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Hmm. Um, just to highlight something you said there about the morning rituals, is that the work of Hal Elrod, the morning miracle? Is that what you were referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, uh, there was a study that actually preceded that. So, um, and, and that's where the book was written about. So, um, where the yeah. basis of the book came from. So, I read the study and absolutely fell in love with it, and, re- and then, you know, implemented all these things and then read the book. So, oh, yeah, right. Well, there you go. Could have saved some time and probably just read that first <laughs> and then not have to figure it out. Yeah, nice. No, it's a fantastic book, and I use those same six myself. I think they're just really, really cool. Uh, are there any well, other books? Day you Sorry, it does set your diet. If you can start yeah. to play well, yeah, you just you know you're gonna get some cool stuff done. You miss the start, it's, it can be uh, a long and un, in, ineffective, unproductive uh, experience when you're in a bad state. Yeah, I um, um I had this uh, I do I did a challenge recently. It was about 100 push-ups every morning. Yeah. Um, and you weren't allowed to not do them. You had to do them, and you had to do them in one batch. You weren't allowed to do like 10 throughout the day, 10 times had to be 100 in a row. And it was mostly a a mental challenge more than anything else. And look, by 60-something, I looked like a seal just rolling around on the floor. Like, I'm not sort of pushed (laughs) up. I'm terrible at it. Like, I think I had more massages in that, like, those two months than ever before. But this this wasn't about, like, yeah, okay, great. My arm's got a bit more tones. 
got a little fitter, so felt you know I could get to eighty by the end of it without you know dropping too many wow. curve words. But this idea was, I've just done a hundred push-ups. What on earth can you throw at me that I can't handle today? So if you're setting, yeah. if you've already done the thing of getting out of bed at five o'clock in the morning, what else have you got? Let's go. Like you can't throw <laughs> anything more at me that's going to hurt. That's so cool. Um, any other books that you found particularly useful in, uh, you know, helping you be at your best, stay confident and assured? Um, so uh, I'm sure everyone has referred to this, but feel the fear and do it anyway. Susan Jeffers, that's a really, really um, sort of poignant book. No one has no one has referred to that book. I I have that book. It's a wonderful book. You're the first who's uh, who's brought that up in the, in the podcast. So thank you for mentioning that. Great. Yeah. Book. Yeah, it's a great book. Uh, Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. Okay. What's so uh, this, so Mel, um, Mel did a talk, a TED talk that I got a little obsessed with when I, when I started doing uh, business, and it was called Stop Screwing Yourself Over. This is actually yeah. one of the top five uh, talks that's been done um, from TED Talks. She was also one of the yeah. first people to go and do this. So The Five Second Rule basically is about um, you have to parent yourself. When we turn okay. 18, this amazing thing happens where we become adults and we go out into the real world and no one tells us what to do anymore. We have yeah. to start making decisions. Like, we don't want to parent ourselves. It's easier for me to go and buy McDonald's than to make a stir fry. It is easier. Yeah, sure. Shouldn't do it. But, you know, sometimes treat, I get that. But, you know, we should be, we have to parent ourselves. So this whole idea is about five, four, three, two, one, and do the thing that you don't want to do. And if you can oh, do wow. this every day, yeah, it's kind of backwards. It's this five seconds and it's about resetting your brain about like, no, 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 but I'm hungry. Five, four, three, two, one. But I'm going to go and make a stir fry. So this whole idea yeah, of wow. yourself over, great talk. Um, and Amazing. yeah, she talks about changing her life five seconds at a time. Amazing. So yeah, it's such a great book. I must, book I must watch yeah. that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go, like, pause the podcast, go and have a look because it's well worth it, right? <laughs> Um, yeah. Anything about Gary Vaynerchuk? I love him. Yeah. Um, I think he's fantastic. He uh, he really does talk about authenticity a lot, and about you yeah. know, documenting your journey. It's really really good. Um, and my final one is a little bit Oh, back to Gary. Gary's the thing I love about Gary is just so kind and gentle for people that are not feeling that great about themselves. Uh, yeah. Just really yeah. really loving. Uh, no, he's brutal. <laughs> he's, he's he's just straight up in your face and says the things that you need to hear that you don't want to hear. But he says it, uh, and he, it's great. He is, but he's actually, you know, he's really like I I want everyone to to win, which is, you know, yeah. I'm not about I'm not about competition. The only person that I'm in competition with, and I genuinely mean this, is myself. And yeah. I only have to be better than the person that I was yesterday. And if I can't yeah, achieve right. that, that's okay because I'm going to be all right with myself about it and be kind and be my friend to myself about it. Because if we, like, the things that we say to ourselves ideally become the things that we start believing, right? So, sure. I, you know, you have to be kind to yourself. The final book um, I was going to mention is a little bit obscure because um, less self-helpy than anything else. But... Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote this book called Big Magic. It's about living creatively. Mm. Um, but, yeah, great book. Eat, Pray, Love. I actually really liked it. God, the movie was terrible, but I really liked the book. Um, but I think if you want to see authenticity and about, in, like, being vulnerable and living with insecurity, go and check out her Instagram. 
Um, yes. She's an incredible woman. She has, she left a kind of marriage that she built and then just went, actually, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And yes. you know, fell in love while she was traveling. And then her um, her best friend got diagnosed with cancer and she realized she wasn't actually just liked this lady. She was in love with her and left her very stable marriage with this man she fought for and written books about for a woman who was dying. And it was wow. her whole life is about authentically making a mess of it, rebuilding it, and then, you know, explaining about, you know, to live authentically. And she's, you know, she's walking proof of being human and surviving all of this through all the insecurity, through not knowing, you know. She had no idea if her, 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 you know, her partner was going to make it. She had pancreatic cancer, and unfortunately she passed away earlier in the year. But... Um, this became, like, her Instagram is just incredible. So go and check that out. She writes beautiful, beautiful kind of wow. human experience things. That's fantastic. I've uh, I've yeah. got her book on myself at the moment. It's about five down from the top. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you've got to have them in order of when you've got to read them. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I would definitely check out her Instagram, and, and uh, that's, that's, mm. that's wonderful to hear that story. Yeah. Um, cool. Anything? Anything else that you think is useful for our listeners around this idea of overcoming insecurity in their life and just really allowing themselves to go and have a full and, and wonderful experience of the life that they would desire to live rather than being held back in some kind of small, shallow existence because of fear and whatever? Um, I think that, oh my goodness, how much time have you got? I've got so many yeah. that I want to share on this. But um, there's a kind of a, a few that I just want to impart um, and one of them I touched on briefly, but the first one being that um, what, what, what's really difficult, I think, when you start a new journey, and no matter where you are now, you are one decision away from having a completely different life. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I was, I was living in Perth, hating my job, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's a decision yeah. right there. And then I decided one decision at a time to completely change my life. So, you know, yeah. again, this, these tiny little changes change everything. The yeah. second thing following that is that as soon as you start to change your life, be prepared because people aren't going to necessarily be 100% supportive of that. They're going to... No, um, so a lot of people... Yeah, people are going to tear you down to a degree. They're going to uh, undermine what you're doing. And people, you know, and some of it will look a little bit like, are you sure this is what you want to do, leaving a very stable career to go and do entrepreneurship, Jemima? Are you sure that you want to leave the thing that you've done for 10 years with a stable income to go and do something that's got no stability to it? Those people are just looking out for the best in you. Having said that, there will be people out there who also very much never lived their dreams either. And when that happens, they kind of try to tear you down a little. And it's a bit of undermining, a bit of jealousy. My advice and probably their own insecurity being manifest. Oh, of course. If you're if you're bucking the trend, like, well, who do you think you are? You'll have people yeah, straight up who will have that opinion of who do you think you are? You're meant to go to work nine to five, come home, cook dinner, watch TV, do the ironing, make sure you're okay, <laughs> um, you know, act normal, uh, go go to work again, save for your old age, retire at sixty five, and then die at seventy five. That's yeah. the plan, guys. And if that's not your plan, don't be, don't worry about it. Because here's the thing: you can sit there and debate to the end of days 
with that other person if they're right or if yeah. you're right. Here's the thing. One of you is going to be right. Your time is better spent working on proving you're going to be correct, working on your craft, working on the thing that you want to do than sitting there and justifying your stuff to someone else. Your job is to do your job, whatever that looks like. If you want to you know, start a hospital or write a book or open a daycare center, whatever that looks like for you, your job is to do that thing. It's not to justify your shit to someone else. Go and do your yeah, thing and sure. don't get caught up with what other people want you to do. Finally, it's never, it's never selfish to ask for what you need. If you need space, you know, Say I'm that married. again. It it's, is never selfish. Never so, yep. It is never selfish to ask for what you need. Great. So my husband, I need space today. He's like, great, have a good time. I don't feel bad about asking for that. It makes me a better person. It makes me a better wife. It makes me a better house, you know, a better entrepreneur. It makes me a better friend when my needs are being fulfilled. You can't pour from an empty cup, and I mean that. Yep. Yeah, wonderful. Is it nice to say my husband? You've been, uh, how long have you been married? It's two weeks. It's so weird. It is (laughs) so weird. I'm getting used to it. Like, it was used to be my partner. And then it was like, because boyfriend just didn't sound right. And then fiance no. sounded really wanky. Husband now. <laughs> that's, that's the real deal. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to keep Amazing. this one. He seems good. I keep referring to him as my first husband and he gets really mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, Jamal, it's been wonderful having you on the show. You've had said so much uh, at your own journey and so many great insights that I'm sure people will find useful and I have found very useful so uh, really thank you and appreciate you um, giving the time and giving of your expertise and your experience so wonderful really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been awesome loved every second of it you've been listening to the insecurity project if you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity Check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jamonfraser.com.